listening to The Social Hour. They're not PC. So if occasional foul language turns you off, then you have all been warned. This is the call before the storm. I bought you an all-expenses-paid trip to Guantanamo Bay. You're a dick for not wanting to go. Get ready for the social hour. Live from Deese World Studios in San Antonio, Texas. This is the social hour. On today's show, comic book creator Tim Seeley. And now your host. His New Year's resolution is for everyone else to learn how to start turning right on red. D. Casillas. Malab Keen, everyone. Welcome to the show. This is the Social Hour. I am Deese. Thank you for coming around for another episode. Uh, back on that almost weekly uh tip I've been telling you I'm going to get back on for the last year. Uh, moving forward to 2024, we're really going to start getting back to two weekly again for you guys, but we appreciate you hanging in there. Um, got a bunch of tour dates coming up. As usual, just go to dececomedy.com, check out everything going on. Um, it's a little slimmer than usual. I'm taking the uh, January, February, staying close to home, but after that, I'll be back all across the country and uh, working on some international stuff. So hit the website and uh, get get your tickets. Other than that, we're just going to get into the show today. Uh, we have a comic book creator, writer, artist, and more uh, on the show this afternoon. Join us all the way from Chicago, Tim Seeley. Tim, how you doing? Good man, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate you you coming, you being here and doing this. Well, you didn't come. You're just in your you're in your green screen, as we said. Uh, we. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So yeah, thanks for taking the time to do this. I'm sure you're you got a million things going on. So. Um, the uh, yeah, I've been wanting to talk to you for a long time. I I'm a fan of fan of your work. I love everything you do. Um, I kind of probably personally discovered you uh, through Bloodstrike. I think was the first time I oddly oh, wow. oddly you enough. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, right? You probably you're probably like oh Transformers or Nightwing or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like Bloodstrike. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, that was the first time I think I because um, I was like in and out of comics for a couple years, and then when I came, I was a big. Um, 90s guy you know i'm 41 so you know 90s which i know is your you know you do a lot of homages to that um so i i'd come back and i'm like oh blood strike that seems like a cool and it was such a interesting continuation of that story because you kind of you know you gave your there were the again the homages to the 90s stuff with very much updating it with a little bit tongue-in-cheek and some fun to it yeah, I probably made it too fun. I realize now, like, I should have made it either super weird or more 90s. And I kind of went for something kind of in between. And I didn't realize, like, the other people doing those uh, extreme relaunches were doing, like, crazy stuff like Glory and and uh, stuff, you know, that Sophie Campbell was doing. And I was, and that, by the time I read those, I was like, oh, I, I kind of did this sort of perfection. Like, you know, and I did, I just kind of did. I didn't like what I wanted to see. I was like, oh, I should have done what weirdos wanted to see. But uh, but I'm proud of it. I, I love that book, so I'm glad somebody enjoyed it. Yeah, I love it. I, I really, I personally enjoyed it a lot, and it did make me seek out a lot more of what you did, which I've read a, a ton of since then. Um, 
But I want to talk about you for a little bit, but even on top of comics, like, are you, you live in Chicago now? Are you from Chicago or what? I'm from Wisconsin. Uh, I've been in Chicago for 20, uh, 21 years at okay. this point, 22 years. Uh, so, but I'm a Midwestern guy. Um, I moved here in 2002. I lived in Minneapolis and stuff, but, um, but yeah, this has been my, my home for a long time. I think I get to call myself a Chicagoan officially. Yeah, yeah. So that's, I mean, that I feel like those people who grew up in that area always say, right, yeah, Wisconsin, Minnesota, the, that Great Lakes area, they're like, this is where we are, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, well, because Chicago is like, it's like Wisconsin, but a big city. Sure. Uh, it's, it feels more Wisconsin to me sometimes than it does Illinois, which I don't know what that means, but I know it feels very Wisconsin here, and I like it. I like that a lot. So the uh, you're, so it's bright cold there right now. You got a ton of snow. It's a little, yeah, no snow. Nope. Um, we haven't had snow this year yet, really. Uh, climate change. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> we're all screwed somehow. It's going. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, a, it's a problem. Uh, <laughs> the uh, that that's so because do you you guys get pretty wild winters though over there, right? We do sometimes. I mean, I grew up in Wisconsin. I lived in Minneapolis. To me, Chicago is temperate. Uh, but oh, okay. people who who are not from here are like oh my god it's the coldest place on earth it's like that's not even close to true yeah uh, but uh but we do you know i've there was one day i remember walking to my studio uh and it was negative 27 degrees oh yeah uh, which is insane cold it's so cold you can't tell the difference like between that and other cold like you're just it's a oh, kind yeah. of that's hard to explain but uh most of the time here i mean knock on wood winter is like eh and I like seasons, so you know, I, I, I so far I appreciate uh, weather. That's, yeah, you're a brave man. I, <laughs> so I grew up in California, in Southern California, L.A., and then we moved to when I was in my mid-teens. We moved to Western Montana, which is, you know, I mean, I used to, I was a basketball player, and I remember we were in Central Montana, and playing in this basketball tournament in like. December, January, and with wind chill factor, it was like negative 44. So I understand, I mean, it's a cold that, like you said, you can't describe it to people who've never experienced it. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, and I live in Texas now. So, I mean, today it was like 50 and I put a sweater on this morning. I'm like, I'm such a fucking pussy. Like what happened to me? What I, you know, but. Blood thins out real quick. Oh that's, my God. Yeah, but I, that's, part of why I moved here is because I hate the cold. I fucking, I despise it. Like I can't, I hate the snow. I hate the cold. I just want to be hot all the time. Um, so I, you know, found a place that does that. Yep. Yeah. Good system. My neighbors think I'm crazy because in the middle of summer when it's like 110 out and they're all hiding in the shade, I'm outside working in my yard, going hiking and stuff. And they're like, dude, it's 110 out. I'm like, I'm here for it. This is what, you know, I'm oh, also man, Latino though, too. so you know it's in my blood. Yeah, I sweat too much. I just I become a gross wet thing. That's why I, you know I'm good with summer. I love it. But <clears> if it gets to be like past 85, I'm just I'm just a wet thing. Of yeah. Mass. I, you know, I have like hair underneath my skin. I think from growing up in Wisconsin, so I'm just way too. Uh, yeah, I'm the opposite of you. I need to be like, give me like 65, 75. I'm in a good place. Sure, I, sure. I, it's fine. Yeah, you're like a bison where you have like layers of hair. Like the top right. layer keeps the moisture out, the under layer insulates. Right. And yeah, okay. Yep, exactly. <laughs> um, so as far as like uh, your the comic book career, it's interesting because like you, I was introduced to you as like a, a writer, uh, but then discovered that also you, you know, have a long career as an artist too. Which one did you kind of like 
Going into the industry, were you more focused on the art and the writing came after, or was it a little bit of both, or how? Um, I mean, I have an art degree. You know, when I was in, when I was a kid, I just wanted to draw comics, and I, um, you know, I was obsessed with comic art, and I, you know, yeah. Uh, when I when I was in t fourth grade, I did my report about you know my career day report about comic artists, and so, so you know, I have a letter from Marvel explaining how page rates work, which is amazing that they sent a ten year old that. <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, but that that was how I thought of it. But I also didn't, you know. I mean, I was in the middle of Wisconsin. Like I said, I didn't have a good understanding of how, uh, you know, stuff was made, and, and uh, so I was always writing my own stuff without really realizing I was writing my own stuff. Yeah. Um, but like when I was in college, uh, I did an internship at Marvel, and uh, you know, kind of realized how I found out how scripting works. I was getting. I one of my jobs is making copies of scripts. So it's like I'd get a script from Paul Jenkins or Chuck Dixon or, or, or Fabian DCAs, and I would copy them and give them out. But I'd also be like, I'll have one for myself. Sure. And, uh, you know, and so I kind of understood how that worked. And I was like, oh, I've been doing this, I guess. Um, but I would still like, you know, I was collaborating with people. And then it would just be me telling them, well, here's what I want you to write so I can draw it. They'd, they'd be just like, just, just fucking write it yourself. So, <laughs> uh, so you know, when I first started uh, when I got out of college, I was mostly drawing um, – for other people, but uh, I was working on GI Joe for a number of years, and, I, and it was a great gig, and it's like a great first gig. But drawing it was a, there was full of restrictions. You know, it was like you can't do this, and you have to draw things that look like uh, the toy, and you have to do all these things. And it was like no, you know, no sex, no no violence, uh, which is hilarious because it's full of machine guns. But there was yeah. all these little <laughs> weird rules, and uh, of course, I understood it, it was a toy, uh, ostensibly for kids, but. Uh, it, you know, I was sort of like, I got to do something different. I'm going crazy. So I had made Hackslash as something for myself to, to draw. Um, but I, you know, laid out this entire thing. And when I would ask somebody, I asked Robert Kirkman to write it for me. And he was like, you already wrote it. Like, why are you asking me to do this? So I wrote it for someone else. And so that became sort of the first thing I did where I was, you know, I was a writer. Yeah. And, and so I was doing things at the same time where I'd write one book and draw another one. Uh, and I did that for years. I mean, I did Hackslash while drawing for Marvel and DC and everything. Um, and then, you know, mid to, you know, 2009, 2010, I started thinking, well, you know, I could write something that isn't like an exploitive, you know, sexy thing, which didn't help me get a lot of jobs. So, sure. so I wrote Rival and, um, and did that with Mike Norton. And, and that book opened up doors because it wasn't, you know, as silly as it, it seems like people look, Hackslash sold great, but people were like, well, but you know, it's a titty book or whatever. Yeah. And so they wouldn't take me seriously. But Revival got me hired for Batman. It got me hired for Nightwing. It got, you know, um, so I, and since then, I've, you know, mostly been a writer. I still draw uh, whenever I can. And I, we made, Tony Flix and I made Local Man so that I could draw. Yeah. Uh, you know, so we split the duties on that. And I, I draw half the page, not half, more like a third. But, um, we do a lot, I do a lot of drawing for that. We draw the covers together. Uh, it's completely just a way to get back to, to doing what, you know, I originally got into it, even though happy to write, happy to take people's money to write stuff. Sure. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's interesting because I've been, I've been reading Local Man, which I love, by the way. It's great. Uh, it's, it's one of my favorite titles coming out right now. Um, I was... I read the initial run and I thought it was just a mini, so I'm glad it extended. Was it something that you planned to just kind of test the waters if it was going well, ex ex extend, or was it kind of a 
Always yeah, that's play. everything in comics now. <laughs> well, I guess, yeah, that's yeah. true, right? Yeah. I mean, it's always just kind of seeing... We knew it was five issues. We knew what the story was um, with some flexibility in there. And But we, you know, once we got to, to the end of that, you know, then we wanted to do more because we were having so much fun and it sold well enough, so that's why we did Gold, um, which was the sort of one-shot off Yeah, with the foil cover and the riff on and all the guest, guest uh, stars and stuff. Um, and so, you know, we... We do it because we love it. It it does well enough, and, I, and people like it. That's the for us. It's like the important thing is that people like it. It's well reviewed. It has good buzz, and um, it allows us to do stuff that we don't normally get to do. Tony, yeah. before this, was sort of known as the cartoony guy, um, and you know, people had forgot I drew, and now it's like you can't forget I drew because I just did eight pages drawing like Jim Lee. So, so you know, it, it's it allows us to sort of reaffirm what we think our skills are yeah and it's fun to make so you know we, we both love the book and you know if i could i would just do it forever um you know it's we'll see how it goes sure well i, I, I mean you know who knows with the market these days but you know i know the first trade paperback was just coming out so uh hopefully that'll give yeah, it a little well so far we've you know we know we've heard it's sold out at stores and stuff so i i know and i know this from hack slash that it takes a while to build buzz on stuff and yeah, you know, Hack Slash was a pretty small book when it came out, but now we, you know, after twenty years, we've sold like sixty-five thousand omnibuses of the first one. So I know people will tell other people about books that they like. I know that helps, and yeah, uh, you know, and so I assume that'll be the case with Ultraman too. I, yeah. I hope. Well, know. I think people are looking for stuff like that. That's you know, kind of superhero adjacent, but uh, but still, you know. Uh, familiar to them, but not that typical superhero kind of a fatigue. I hate that term that everyone says, but there's a lot of that, you know. They want something that's familiar, but still different. Yeah, I mean, well, I hope that people buy it, that they don't do the thing where they say they want something, but then when you give it to them, they don't want it, which happens in comics all the time. Yeah. But yeah, I yeah. feel like, you know, the, the goal, I always thought the, the how it was supposed to work in comics was that, you know, you read your superhero books from Marvel and DC and they're the entry point and they've been there forever and they have this history and you all know the characters and even more so now because the movie but then at some point you're like oh yeah they're going to kill Thor and replace him with another guy again this will be Thunderstrike this time it'll be this guy this time and that's how it is that's right. how you keep these things going for so long and then you would go yeah it's not for me that's cool and you would move on and, and like when I was in the you know in the 80s it would be like okay cool then there would be um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or there would be um, you know, Howard Chaykin's American flag or, or whatever. And then there would also, you know, that's part of what Image did is like, you know, Youngblood and Wildcats was like, hey, it's X-Men for for 13-year-olds instead of 10-year-olds. And, you know, so that is kind of what I've always tried to contribute to the creator-owned stuff is give you something you're not getting from Marvel and DC. Right. Um, but then a lot of times people say they want that, but they really just want Spider-Man written for them, which is not what I want to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so this is hopefully, you know, it is. It's about a guy who's in his forties, and and the story is very much similar to I think kind of how it can feel with superhero stuff, which is that it's kind of it has passed you by, and you don't understand it anymore, and maybe you're not supposed to understand. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like maybe that's how it's supposed to work. Like, you know. Well, I, again, I it's been uh, since first issue I picked up. I've been reading the whole thing and suggested it to a lot of friends of mine. So hopefully it keeps going. I, I I've enjoyed it a lot. Um, so, I mean, as far as, like, writing compared to drawing, um, 
you know, you do a mix of mixed bag of both. It seems like more writing than drawing these days. If it was, you know, your choice, would you be drawing more? Would you be writing more? Is it 50, 50 or what do you? Yeah. I mean, if I could, if I could write a book and draw it, that's what I would do. Okay. I would be, I love the collaboration part of it, but, um, and I've done it so often and I know how to do it in different ways. You know, the, the way I worked with Tom King is different than the way I work with Tony or the way I work with, um, Zoe on Hackslash is different. And I can do that stuff and I, I enjoy it thoroughly, but you know, the ultimate goal, if it was possible anymore, would be to write and draw something. But, um, you know, I would love to be like a, like a Dan Klaus, like just do like a, be a cartoonist, like the, the, the actual term cartoonist. Like I would cartoon an entire book and write and draw it and do everything. Um, but it's, it's pretty hard to do. Yeah. Uh, and you know, especially I have, I have a wife and kid and I'm the breadwinner. And so my, risk tolerance is slightly lower than some other people's sure yeah yeah it's tough i mean it's a it's a it's a volatile and very fickle industry fickle is the right word yeah Yeah, well like you said you know they say they want something you give it to them like no i don't want that thing you did of that that i said i wanted i want the one that in my head of it so yeah exactly which and you know i think like the the comic the, the stuff where you do something cartoon like you're a cartoonist and you do that's more book market and that, you know, like where those kind of cartoonists sell stuff. And I do feel like that's an easier place to do it. Um, but it takes a lot to, long time to get paid for it. You know, it's like, yeah. Uh, and so it, the monthly system where, you, you know, you do a monthly book and the, and the script and you get paid 30 days later is really nice when you have a kid who needs to eat. Sure. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, but doing like, you know, long-term books, I, I would love to do it. And, you know, I'm kind of eyeing it for my, 58th birthday perhaps i'll be like all right now it's time to me to do my own book and i've i've saved up money and i can do this i can write and draw something yeah uh, you know so but i i tend to think of things like you know I'll, I'll when people offer me something that's really fun for me i i can't turn it down so you know if i get offered um master universe or death stalker or sometimes like look well, yeah i'm gonna yes i'll fucking yeah do that. i got hell we'll make the time yeah uh, i'll figure it out <laughs> well that's that's an interesting point of it because as someone like you, I mean, talk to a lot of artists. I've talked to a lot of writers, not a lot of people who do both. So I mean, you're already kind of doing double duty and then not only creating your own projects, but getting being solicited to do projects such as, you know, Master of the Universe or whatever. You, you had a pretty substantial run on uh, with DC and with Grayson and things like that. So like, how do you decide when you're like, well, you know, I'm sure Grayson is like a little more of a stable, consistent paycheck. You know, you can depend on it. Whereas like, but also I want to do this creative project that I thought of, you know, how do you decide what, when and where? I mean, it's funny because Grayson wasn't stable. It was like, when we did it, everybody, we were like, oh God, people are going to hate this. You know, and they, did, <laughs> they did when we announced it, like angry us that we made Dick a spy and we're going to ruin it. Of course, then once the book came out, nobody said that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, for me, it's, I, I try to do, I've been doing this so long. I have a pretty good intuitive sense of like, that's enough work, right? Like, and I fucked it up a couple of times. Usually I fuck it up by taking too much. I rarely fuck it up by taking too little, but I try to keep this sort of balance of like, you, you know, uh, because projects, that's the thing in this business too, is that, you know, I'll sign up to do something. And this happened to me last summer and it'll be like, Oh, sweet. That is a great gig. It'll take all summer perfect and then it just disappears yeah uh, and or you know it gets delayed or, or whatever and so 
so I have had the, you know, the foresight to be like, that seems less stable. So I'll start a creator own book here while I'm working on that one, knowing that if it doesn't go, I can do this book or I can do, you know, I can, I can uh, guest on a friend's book or whatever. So yeah, it's, it's just hustling. It's fucking just eternal, constant hustling. And yeah. if you're a comedian, you know how that works. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's just, and I wish I didn't have to, but my job is not make comics. My job is hustle. Uh, and so, you know, I've gotten really good at that part. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think that's one of the things about the, the, in, I, I include comedy in this, so take this in the spirit it's intended, but one of the arts that's probably considered one of the less, like, like not as the higher arts, you know what I'm saying? Like, like people don't regard comic books or stand up comedy as art, like they do other things, you know? Um, so, but it's things they actually buy, you know, it's like the popular art. Like, right. Yeah. You know, but art, nobody buys. It's like, who cares? That's the thing I was always like, well, how, how they regard, who gives a shit? Nobody buys that stuff. You know? So it's like, or, you know, it's like, you'd love to be able to do poetry and spoken word, but people are going to go sit at, a, at a, the Yuck Yuck Club and listen to a comedian. Like that's, <laughs> right? like, that's just how it works. And, and uh, so, yeah, I, I, it's easy to sort of, you know, uh, to be a, like a full-time hustler is because there is work in that field and yeah I, I think you know that's that's something i can be really grateful for as well but also just like i hate the game you know it's just not, i wish it was just you know uh like an easy hey it's you know it's five o'clock time to time to go home and, right. and then it's nine o'clock time to make the donuts get up it's like that's not it's not the fucking job at all uh and you know uh i i, I dream of a day where it's just like you know the thing that everybody else hates where they go drive to their jobs. I wish comics was like that. Yeah. I wish I just said, right. you know, you punch the clock. Like leave the office. I'm like, fuck you work. And I don't have that. You know, it's like, I, I'm in this space all the time and, you know, just have to be ready to, to at any moment to go to work. You know? Well, and also on top, not only on top of that, but as a creative, you also have a brain that's always working. So that's the heart. You can't even shut that off if you want. I mean, you know, so even sub subconsciously you're always working on something too while just living life so yeah it's the worst when you come up with like a really good line or for something but you're like in bed with the wife or something and you're like honey i'll i'll get back to you but i gotta go do this yeah, just, and you <laughs> write down the joke and then somebody's look at later like well that wasn't worth interrupting sex for like, yeah that that was <laughs> yeah oh yeah i keep a notepad next to my bed uh but you know there's there's good things and there's bad things. When I, I I'm sober now, I used to drink a lot. I quit drinking a couple years ago. But when I was drinking, I would wake up to the craziest shit I'd written down, like blacked out drunk, and I'd wake up to these notes. Like literally, one of them read one time. I read this note in the morning. It read, "How are we going to teach people about the birds and the bees when all the bees are dead?" <laughs> and I'm like, "What the fuck?" And then it can that wasn't the end of it, Tim. Then it continued, and if you think you need to bleach your asshole, you probably do. And I'm like, whoa. For, Solid joke. Yeah, I'm like, how are these things related, though? Like, what was going on in my head that I'm like, this is makes sense. This is a thing people need to hear. I'm like, Jesus Christ, Deez, you got to get your shit together. So. <laughs> the environmental impacts of asshole bleach, perhaps. Sure, yeah. There, there's... Between those two jokes, I'll workshop it. I'll see what I can do. But yeah, there's something there that's uh, it was very strange. Uh, <laughs> so, um, 
Well, as like uh, on the topic of like what you're, you know, what you're doing and the hustle and stuff, how much of it is, you know, obviously you have projects you create that you're soliciting, trying to get done, trying to sell, you know, I mean, how often are people coming to you or, you know, you did some stuff for like the Unforgiven stuff for Marvel recently. I mean, are they coming to you or are you like, I want to work with you? I mean, how's that working? You know, what's that relationship like and how's that process for? Um, yeah, it's a good, it's a good question because it is such a weird mix. I mean, I, you know, I, I've worked for DC now for, you know, 15 years. Um, I've worked on and off from with Marvel, you know, about the same amount of time, but not as consistently. Um, and I just kind of, you know, I, I try to think of it. I try to keep my name in their mouths a little, like I'll send them books. If you know, like local man was, is a pretty big critical hit. So I'll be sure that I send Marvel some books, editors I've worked with. Yeah. Um, cause I know how it works, which is sort of like, shit, I have a thing that's kind of like this. So I'll hire Sealy cause I have that kind of thing. And you know, so that's, mostly how i i've kept in touch with people um you know and, and so local man did lead to me getting hired for a thing at dc recently and um but i mean i don't i don't sort of super actively like bug them every day for work or something i just kind of generally hope that stuff comes up every once in a while that would be good for me sure uh, and because you know i know there's things that i wouldn't necessarily be the, the guy to choose for it and that's okay like there's you know um so but you know, that, that you know the um the unforgiven thing happened because they're like hey we want to do something with these characters and we kind of wanted to be more horror-esque and the, the editor was like hey i read your vampire the masquerade stuff you get this can you do it sort of like that yeah sure no problem um you know so and then some of those people are my friends and, and so that helps a lot and i can just sort of you know throw something out every once in a while like hey next summer i don't have a shit ton going on do you have something uh that you need or you have an event or something where i can pitch on like yeah i but i kind of don't i don't avidly do or do often is like holy shit i just had an idea for moon Knight, and i gotta send it to marvel like i don't really do that that's not one i you know i don't tend to most of my original if i have a big idea it's for something of my own usually. yeah um but what i'm good at is Oh shit! We need a Moon Knight thing. Tim can't think of something. Yeah, sure. Like <laughs> that, I can do. <laughs> uh, you know, and so, and I think part of it is just the. I tend to think of. I like those books. I grew up on superhero stuff. I, you know, and I'm happy to make those books uh, and have a good time doing it. But I think my, I'm more of a guy who comes up with stuff on his own and and, and seeks out publishing partners for it. I think that's sort of more of what I what I usually do. That's how Money Shot happens that's how you know west of sundown or local man or you know all that stuff is that i have something that i am burning to do and i pitch it out and and you know it's and it's because it's creator owned or creator participation so um you know and that said any editors listen to it you know if you got something that sounds like a me thing hit me up I'm <laughs> here for um, it yeah yeah but i mean and there's certainly just stuff like you know like something uh like, so I guess stuff that's like really sort of, sort of cynical superhero stuff where it's like, I don't, and that's funny because I do local man, which seems to be on the surface, very cynical, but, but I don't, I don't really want to do stuff where it's like, we're killing off this character. We'll do something really mean. That character sucks. It's like, uh, I still think of most superhero stuff, at least and week two stuff, to some degrees, I think of it for smart kids. It's for kids. 
but yeah. for smart kids. And so like, I don't, I don't actively sort of seek out things that feel sort of mean and gross and fuck your childhood and eat a dick. Like, I just want to make good superhero stuff for a wide audience. Like yeah. that's how I think about it, you know? Um, and, and then I, I want to make it for kids. I want, I don't want to make it for just old men. I don't, I, I, that's kind of how I think of it. And sometimes comics can be, as an industry can be weird because we sometimes walk away from those uh, younger kids and stuff, you know? Yeah. It seems like the, the, the target audience has definitely shifted from like, uh, younger teens to you know closer to probably late twenties, early thirties. Like those kids who were reading comics growing up. Like the the timeline is just of comics is just moving, trying to keep yeah. those people because they can't capture young people anymore as much. But they but we know they do because when Enter the Spider Verse comes out, every kid on Earth has a Spider Man T shirt and an action figure and a children's book and a you know a YA book of of, of those things. So we know they do. Yeah. like those they you know that's the, that's one of my frustrations that's a longer rant but you know that is one of my biggest frustrations is that we know those characters work we know comics work for those kids those things sell huge i mean you know uh the ya books that you go if you go to target they'll have like a comic it'll be miles morales and it'll be like a you know digest size thing it'll be original story yeah they have those at target and they're selling like crazy and i know because my kid she makes me buy them every time we go to Target. <laughs> so um, <coughs> that's the thing is I don't want to abandon that in the pursuit of of like always changing it to older people. Right. Like I don't want them to aim at you and me all the time. Yeah. Right. I mean, like that's and I don't want to make that stuff at Marvel and be seen all the time. I want to make other stuff and I want to aim at that stuff with local man and I want to aim at that with you know uh, with money shot obviously. But yeah. Uh, well, I think that's kind of a weird double-edged sword that especially the big two have gotten into and even more so extrapolated by the fact that they're owned by Warner Brothers and Disney, respectively, that um, they kind of became part of this machine where it's like they're kind of for everyone but kind of for no one, you know? Yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. and you would think that the, the, the sort of increased exposure of, of those characters and the and I hate this word, but uh, the IPs, the intellectual property, yeah, would help comics, but it actually in a weird way makes it somewhat constrained, in part because for the majority of the planet, you know, that amount of superhero stuff is, is good. They're like, I'm good, I'm good on superhero stuff, uh, you know. Uh, but it also sort of makes it so the comics have to, to some degree, look like that stuff. Right. They've got to be recognizable, you know, and so that can be somewhat constraining in a in a surprising way and, and you know one of the things i think that uh i, I wish all the readers would be like if you want change if you want things to get weird you got to read creator on superhero stuff yeah because you know, that's where that can happen and, and obviously to some degree superhero books at marvel dc got to go back to the at some point they got to go back to the base you know the er form of batman but it's got to be bruce wayne at some point because that's what we keep you know that's the the, the thing that keeps selling it's the recognized version of this you yeah know, and you have to go back to it yeah status it always returns to status quo no matter how much it shakes up eventually uh you know whether it's a year or five years it's going to go back to status quo and then yeah yeah and it has to it's just and, and that's not their fault that's just how you make it work right right like and when you recognize it you go oh yeah i'm gonna go buy american flag by howard shake and say fuck this which is great that's yeah. awesome <laughs> you will be replaced by a smart 10 year old who's like oh shit this superhero thing looks awesome you know, so and that—that's the. I sometimes I feel like that's the part we lost, and I get really frustrated when I'm working on stuff, being like, 
yeah, but no, this is for a smart 10 year old. Right. Yeah. You have to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's like, like I said, it's like for no one, but for everyone, it's like they don't, they don't know their audience anymore because they want everyone to be their audience, which makes no one your audience. You know, you can't have everyone. It's almost like they need a line. They're like, okay, we're going to do this line and this is for, you know, young adults and this is for the older generation. Like they're different continuities or whatever because but they keep trying to splice it together and make it for everyone and then you're like eh, you know it just doesn't uh, doesn't seem to work yeah yeah and I, I and the other side of it i think probably is the over-reliance on retailers of marvel dc is what hurts them too is that you know retailers are just like well i know i know what to order from marvel dc is like well you could try some stuff and try to get readers of different sorts and great stores do and they they are rewarded for it and yeah and some of the other ones don't, and then they they're you know they suffer for not having stuff for anybody but a very small, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it's a the tough biz, and I think you know, like the stuff that always gave me faith was like when digital stuff first came out, comicsology and stuff. You get tons of new readers, and they would love it, and it wouldn't affect the print comics since you had another audience. It was great, uh, and you had all these new people coming in, and you could do different books. Or the, when the book market sort of opened up for comics. These are people that don't go to the comic shop. They, yeah. they go to, they go buy a trade of, of Sandman or One Piece or uh, or you know or, or uh, what do we call it um, uh, <laughs> Saga. Thank you. Well, brains. They're, they're interested in things that are outside of that, and that really gave me a lot of faith. But I think the downside is now the corporate stuff. You know, comicsology got eaten up by Amazon, and yeah, it's like some of this stuff that was so good for comics was also good for some corporate ledgers bottom line yeah yeah it kind of you know uh it's tough because you know when you take the that kind of giants that start owning things like this it just really sucks the soul and a lot of the creativity out of it it kind of becomes you know just i always say it's you know it's the problem with you know almost all entertainment now even outside of comic books outside of like superhero movies Every movie has to be so straight down the middle not to offend anyone or have this or has to represent this. And you're like, then it becomes nothing. You're like, you're not taking any chances. You're not taking yeah. any, you you're not any at all because the only thing the right and the left agree on is that sex is bad. And like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird. It is. It's, it's such a weird, uh, yeah, but the, all the things that stick are the ones that kind of have something that is uniquely them and, and shocks people to some degree. You know, and that's the stuff that that really makes an impression. You know? Yeah, but yeah, I, I agree. It's a it's a weird time to do stuff, which is why I'm always like, go read Image Comics because we can do whatever we want, and yeah. we do. And, yeah. and Vault or Dark Horse or you know, uh, IDW and all these companies that are doing really cool stuff, and I feel like they're not getting rewarded the way they should be for doing stuff. Yeah, it's tough. Um, you know, every it seems like it's just a very weird volatile market you know as it always has been but i'm, I'm hoping to see it every now and then i feel like it's slowly getting an uptick of that you know creator owned the independent stuff coming up again so we'll fingers crossed yeah. um so i I, I know you, i know you gotta go soon i had a question for you this was an interesting topic i, I saw uh, uh in an older interview that uh you'd said you were working on a blade comic book at one point and you had mentioned that it 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 kind of like fell apart didn't really pan out and uh part of it you know you thought it was a weird time because of the optics of it and 
I, I assume what you meant is a white guy dry or writing a book about a black superhero. Um, I, what, uh, how important do you think that is representation wise of creative teams and things like that in comic books today? Cause you know, I mean, it's a big thing. It seems to be being pushed more and more and it's an interesting topic, you know, as far as characters, the race changing in the movies and all this stuff that seems to be hoopla for people you know people have problems getting over some of this stuff so i how do you how do you feel like as a creator uh, approaching that for me it's context because you know there obviously is no inherent thing wrong with a white guy writing blade as is there is no inherent thing wrong with Dwayne mcduffie writing superman obviously the, the the problem is the context and you know this has been the way entertainment for a long time is, you know, um, there, if someone does blackface, here's why it's wrong. There's a history yeah. of black people being excluded from entertainment by white people doing a, a, a very offensive and, and uh, you know, sort of cruel version of them and keeping them out of entertainment. That's why blackface is wrong. So, you know, it's context, right? So if you are working in comics and there is a sort of and again, I think things have gotten better, and that's great. And there are a lot more creators of color, and there are a lot more women, and all that sort of, you know. And, and really, the problem is obviously sort of the big two superhero books because of their dominance. But I think that stuff is a lot better, uh, and that's great. And you know, obviously, the best case scenario would be it's totally okay for a black woman to write a white character, as also it's okay for a white guy to write, you know, uh, a black character. So at some point. The context was important for Blade because they had no, at the time, black creators working on black characters. Mm. And they were supposed to, uh, but one of the creators working on one of the books, you know, ended up being sort of late. And so Blade would have launched by itself as a the only black book, book with a black character. Uh, and it was written by me. <laughs> and uh, it just didn't feel right timing-wise for me. I didn't, you know, I didn't, one, I, I didn't feel good about it. And... If, it, if things had gone the way the timing was supposed to, I mean, it was not Marvel's fault in any way. They were great. They were really trying to make stuff work. But just the timing didn't work out. And so the black creators that were on the books that had black characters, it, they didn't ship. And they weren't going to ship. And they were pushed off. So, you know, uh, shit happens. But I just didn't feel good about it. And I, it's not – like, there's things I'll fight for. And then there's things that I'm like, why? Yeah. It, it, give it to someone else, yeah. right? It's not <laughs> – and and so you know that was that book it was the right choice for me uh and i don't think i would have been happy i felt constrained on the story um you know the artist was a black woman and i love her and she would have done an awesome job but i felt like i wasn't going to be able to do i i just started doubting myself and i started doubting the work and um so it was the right choice yeah uh well you know they've got a book starring the, the blade daughter that concept that we made up and they've got blade book uh it's written by brian hill and so that's awesome and i'm you know it's just easier for me context wise to to take things in the moment and, and if it had been a different moment it wouldn't matter to me and it's obvious you know there are plenty of books that i've done that have uh people of color and women and gay people and all that sort of stuff and i'm completely comfortable with it. Yeah. i've written women almost exclusively for the majority of my career so I, I don't have a problem with it. I just don't want to be the only one doing it and, and making it look like nobody has asked anybody to, to you know, right. color to work with those characters. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's important. You know, it's it's uh, well, also just integrity in your work, you know, and feeling like it's it's what you should be doing um, in in any project, you know, whether yeah. whether it's representation or not. So, um, yeah, it's just an interesting topic. I always find so fascinating today's um, landscape of, of comic books and, and creativity and, um, you know, where I mean, now that was what seven years ago or something already you know and it's that's the thing is i think things have changed on other sides but in other ways it hasn't and i think you know uh shit bubbles up all the time and people get in fights about the stuff and especially on fucking twitter and, and you know all this <laughs> sort of stuff that i don't think it really in the end matters but i do want people to see themselves in the characters uh and i think that's really important but even more importantly probably for some of this stuff is to see themselves in the people who make it because you know that historically has been a problem yeah. you know like you know and, and i know you know some of the creators that i've had the pleasure of sitting at a convention with and hearing stories you know uh writers who uh worked in comics in the in the 60s and 70s and early 80s who are black uh who are gay and you know, or, or, or whatever and hearing them tell stories you're just like whoa i mean this is why we have to be <laughs> just the shit they went through. Yeah, yeah. That's the stuff we have to really, you know, the, the opportunities that were denied them because of, of that stuff. That's the stuff we have to be like, okay, well, we have to make sure we're not doing that. You know? Yeah. Well, and also, you know, when you are opening this market up to so many people and want it to be fully inclusive, you know, it's very important to have people feel like there's a, a home for them as a reader too. So, you know, that's... Yeah, exactly. You know, if you go to conventions and stuff, it, it never seems as dire as sometimes as acts, people act on the internet. Because if you go to a convention, if you sit where I sit, I went to a con in Columbus like a week ago, you know, it's just a whole bunch of different people. And, you know, I have girls at my table, I have boys at my table, I have women, I have men, I have... You know, people come up and it doesn't feel dire but you know on the other hand that like in context that historically it's not good yeah so <laughs> yeah that's the stuff i just wish people were more able to understand context versus reactionary like well but but this like okay yeah but so what we're talking about a big picture here yeah you know? Yeah, and and also i always find it funny in the you know with the stuff with the movies when they're like oh we're gonna do a uh uh a movie and Superman's black and people get mad and you're like, well, also he's a made up character. So I think it doesn't, you know, turns out he's an alien from another planet. Uh, Why is it weird that he's, why is it not weird that he's white? Like, what's the difference? It doesn't change the story at all, you know? Um, So that's the thing I kind of come, people that's with those big superhero characters and the stuff that drives me crazy is the, is the idea that, that the, that change is somehow like this insult. like, these things have been changing constantly. When I was a kid, like I said, Thor was a, a dude named uh, Eric Masterson. And you know what I mean? And, and then people are like, oh, no, it's a woman. It's Jane Foster. Like, who fucking cares? It changes all the time. Yeah. It changes all the time. Right. And that, that is the nature of these things. Uh, the the offense to that stuff just makes me think people weren't, aren't paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, that that part is just, it's, it's built into these things. They, they have to come out every month and they have been doing so for 80 years. Right. That's <laughs> some shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they, that's, I had to explain this love triangle to someone recently about Scott and Jean and then Scott's relationship with Emma 
Frost, and then Wolverine, and someone someone who loves Scott only knew Scott and Jean from recent was like so mad at Emma and this whore, and I'm like. These characters have been around since 1963, and they've yeah. been coming out in one to ten books a month for that <laughs> for that entire time. There's they're gonna have some changes, you know, every and you, and you have to. Uh, and again, like you said, eventually it'll come back to status quo, and then it'll change and status quo. And, well, and it's yeah. also it's like the other side of it too is like they're fictional, so you can't you can't hurt them. You can't not really. I mean, you, you all these things are done for story to keep you interested, to keep you caring, and so. You know, that's the other side of it. I sometimes see people like, I can't believe you did that to that kid. You did that to that kid. It's like, yeah, that's my job. Right. My job is to be mean to them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not mean to them in a superhero book. You won't care. Right. Uh, so, you know, it's like it's, that can be people's relationship with fiction has changed. I think part of it is Twitter and the Internet, I think, is part of it. Um, because it used to be more of understood that they are fiction and, and, and but I think it's also sort of that, um, I think the pandemic kind of fucked people up a little bit. It's like we were, you know, to some degree, like we were, we were at home with nobody but these, these fictional people. Yeah. Uh, and so, so to some degree, I think we, you know, we, we've attached ourselves in some ways, maybe even a little more than we used to. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. So, um, all right. Well, I know you got to go, uh, Tim, so I won't, I won't keep you any longer. I appreciate you, you hanging out doing this. It's good to talk to you, man. I, I, uh, um, the, uh, and, uh, tell people where they can find you on social media or what they, what's coming out that you got coming up. Yeah. I'm on, uh, I'm on Instagram just at, uh, Tim Seeley. I'm on Twitter at hacking Tim Seeley. Although I wish I could get away from that goddamn thing. Same same uh, place, same name on uh, Blue Sky, if anybody's using that, which I'm not sure they are. Uh, but uh, you can always find me on the internet. I'm pretty easy to find. I've got portfolio stuff and everything, and you can check it out. All right. And read Local Man. It's a great book. Um, yes. So, uh, all right, guys, uh, that's it for today. We're going to get out of here. We appreciate you hanging out. Again, as usual, go to deescomedy.com. Check out everything going on across the network. Live shows coming up. Uh, and we uh, that's all for uh, Tim Seeley. I'm Denise Casillas. This is The Social Hour. Thank you very much. And we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.